in Mark chapter 2 this morning, and we're going to continue talking about spiritual healing. We talked about that last week, how uh, the most important healing a person can get is spiritual healing. It, uh, what, how you are in your spirit, it affects everything in your body, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And so this is the healing that's most important. This is the healing that we need. As Christians, we need to know where this healing can be found and how to help others so we can help them be healed of their spiritual issues that they have. And some of us, there may be some in here today, you know, you've got some gaping wounds, you know, that are infected that need healing right now. Spiritually speaking, there's a lot of saved people who do. They have major healing that is needed in their in your life. And I just want to say that if that is you today, I don't think you're a bad person for needing healing, just like that person that's, you know, on the side of the road, you know, bleeding out because he got hit by a car. You know, they're not a bad person for that. Sometimes it wasn't even their fault, but they need help. And there's a, we live in a wicked, wicked world, and there's a lot of sin going on in this world. And because of all that sin, people get hurt, and they get hurt really bad. And some of you have been hurt, and you need healing. And hopefully... Uh, you know, this will help you, one, not only get healing for yourself, but hopefully help you feel others. And so what I want to talk about this morning specifically is spiritual healing through forgiveness. Spiritual healing through forgiveness. And in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, the beginning of the gospel of, or uh, I'm in chapter 1, I'm sorry, in chapter 2. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive him, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto him, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, and that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. I love this story here, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. When we see the miracles of Jesus in the Bible, they were, I mean, real, physical miracles that took place. These are not allegories. These are facts, things that happen. Jesus healed a man that was sick of the palsy, that was not able to walk. Jesus healed that man. But notice the reason Jesus healed this man. I've said it before. The reason he would do these physical miracles is to prove he could do the spiritual. And he flat out says it in this miracle. So I can prove to you that I have the power to forgive sins. I'm going to heal this man. So there's no doubt that this story here, I'm not just trying to draw an application from it because I need it. No, this is the application. This miracle here that many people want to try to repeat, like you have the, you know, the Benny Hens and people, they want to bring in that guy and they want to put on a show of a guy who can't walk 
and then make that guy walk and get everybody excited. But the truth is, we already know Jesus can do that kind of healing. What people need today, what the people in the audience need today, it's not you know, healing from a physical ailment because something else is going to eventually get us anyway. No matter what I could heal you from physically, you're still going to die one of these days, aren't you? And that man that Jesus healed of the palsy eventually died of something else. Just like Lazarus eventually died of something else. But one thing that that man did get, he got forgiveness of his sins, and that's what we should be in the business of getting for people, forgiveness for their sins. That is more important than getting healed of a physical problem. Getting forgiveness of sins. It's more important, but I also believe getting forgiveness of sins can help you physically. It will help you emotionally, spiritually, across the board. Forgiveness is something that every everybody knows Christians should do it. We all know that. But it's often a very difficult thing for people to do in a real way so they can be healed. And we've all had you know, forgiveness shoved down our throats enough. We all know that we're supposed to say we're sorry. Just like your kids have many times told their brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, because they were told. But they weren't sorry. Okay? You know, they weren't sorry, and the brother or sister that they hurt didn't feel any better because of it. And any time my sisters were forced to tell me they were sorry, the only reason it made me feel any better at all is because I knew it made them mad that they had to do it. But as far as whatever they had done to me, it didn't help that one bit. I just enjoyed seeing them forced to do something that they didn't want to do. You know, It's much easier to make yourself say, I forgive you, than it is to actually do it and to move on so you can be healed. That's a hard thing to do. And this can be very difficult in many cases. And in reality, it's impossible without divine intervention. Let me tell you, there's some stuff that people have been through that you can't forgive. There's there's no way that can be done without divine intervention. There are injuries that a person can sustain that a good doctor can help them heal and get better. But there are some injuries that it takes a miracle to get over. And there are some... You know, uh, spiritual hurts that we can deal with that, you know, a good psychiatrist might be able to help you get healing. You know, a good book. But there are some things that only Jesus Christ can heal. And there's a lot of people that need that. And I'm afraid as Christians, many times, you know, spiritually, we're telling people to walk off an injury when their legs have been blown off, spiritually speaking. The guy gets his legs blown off in a war. You don't tell him to walk that one off. Okay. Now you do tell somebody who just maybe you know hits their shin on something, walk it off, and that hurts. And it's hard to do. I'd rather lay there and scream. But sometimes, sometimes they need to walk it off. But there's some things you can't walk off. And there are some things as Christians, you know, we're real good at just telling people, "Hey, just forgive people." But it's like, man, what they did was really bad. That was a horrible thing. And they do. They need divine intervention in these cases. And I get it. We're a very fragile society today. But the fact that we're fragile, it does not change the fact that the people are still broken. Yes, we're snow, this is a snowflake generation. Okay? But it doesn't change the fact they're broken. And they need fixing. They need supernatural help. And so I think some, you know, for example, too, I think we ought to take it a little easier on some people who identify as LGBTQ or whatever, because 
you realize a vast majority of these people, if not all of them, are victims of sexual abuse themselves. And most of us who have never been a victim of sexual abuse, we don't know what that's like. But you know, I've heard enough testimonies, I've talked to enough people to know that the reason sexual abuse is so bad is because it is more than just physically damaging to the victim. It is much more damaging. And people wonder, you know, why are you guys so down on you know, you know, the LGBT and all these prayers? Because what they do to people is horrible. The damage that they do to children is horrible. In fact, it's irreversible without divine intervention. And that is why you talk to most of these people, they were victims themselves at one time. But not all of them, not all victims are just immediately, you know, reprobate, even though they have been damaged. They are damaged, and if they don't get help, and if they don't get help soon, they eventually will be the next reprobate too. And that's why we need to be in the business of trying to heal people. Spiritually, we need to try to get to these people before they become a full-blown sodomite. We don't want that happening to people. We don't want that happening people in our society, and you know, you're just never going to convince me that some 10-year-old cross-dresser you know, is a reprobate. I think he's a victim of abuse. Okay? I think he's on his way there. If somebody doesn't intervene and you know, take that kid away from his perverted parents, you know, that type of thing is dangerous, but we don't want to be too hard on the victims, and I'm afraid many times we are. We're looking at people that are severely damaged, and we're just saying, I don't want to deal with it. You know, and I'm glad that these four men in this story did look at their friend that has the palsy and said, you know what, what good is this guy to us? He can't help me fix up my, fix, you know, do repairs on my house. You know, this guy's not going to help me out in a fight if there's a battle. You know, what good is a man who's got the palsy to anyone else? He's no good at all. And a lot of times we're looking at people out there in society and we're saying, you know what, these people are no good to anybody. But, you know, the truth is they would be good for somebody if they got to Jesus. But unfortunately, we're throwing them in the trash too soon many times. We're not bringing them to Jesus. And because of that, we're never seeing any miracles. We're not seeing any healing take place. You know, and many people, they're seeing these people that are sick of the palsy that still have a chance if they get to Jesus, but we're busy gang stomping them all the time just so we can look good and, you know, impress our buddies on social media how hardcore we are. That's a pretty sorry attitude right there. See, you better watch that stuff. Hey, I'm all for talking trash against full-blown reprobates, but make sure that they're there. Hey, you, may, you better be sure. I, I, I keep telling people that. You gotta be sure about this stuff before you go crazy on it. You might ha we might have some people out there that just need someone bringing them to Jesus, and if that would happen, we might actually see a miracle, and they might become a wonderful servant of God one of these days. So our world we live in today, it's sick, it's vile, and we are we're surrounded by people severely damaged, and so we've got to be in the business of helping these people out. And so how do we help these people that are spiritually broken? Well, I think in this story where we see a man who is healed, of, um, healed in a miraculous way, I think there's some great principles that we can learn when it comes to helping heal other people. And so first off, we see here in chapter 2 and verse 1, let's look there again, notice what it says, in verse, oh, look in verse uh, 2, it says, In straight way there were many gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. So Jesus, th these guys know we've got to get this man to Jesus. But notice, 
there's some pretty severe obstacles in the way. One, the building's full. Hey, you can't, I mean, literally, you can't get in. That's what the Bible says. They, they could not get in the door. Jesus is in there preaching, but there's such a big crowd, there's nothing to be done. So what do they do? It says, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, folks, this could not have been an easy task. I mean, they carry a man up to the roof, takes four of them, they open up the roof, and then they lower him down. What are they doing? You know what they're doing? They're getting creative. They're making a real effort to get this man to Jesus. A real effort. And I'm afraid too many times we just don't put in much effort. You know, we all want miracles, but we want them to come easy. You know, we want to see people get saved. We want to see the hard cases get saved, but we want it to come easy. You know, we go out there and we, you know, and, and I understand too, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Okay? Don't mistake what I'm talking about as like a substitute for soul winning. Obviously, when it comes to soul winning, we're trying to get to those who are receptive. We don't want to waste our time on knuckleheads, right? But when it comes to people that we love, people that we know, we should be willing to put in the extra effort. Hey, I want to see strangers get saved. I love seeing that, but you know what? I want my family to get saved even more. I want my friends, I want my coworkers, I want people that I know, my neighbors to get saved even more. And I will put the extra effort in on them. I will spend the extra time with them if that's what I've got to do. And because, you know, that is... I love that person. I care about that person. And I'm afraid many times we do. We just kind of give up. We think every salvation should be like the Ethiopian eunuch. And did you know that every salvation is a miracle? But you know, it's not that often. You know, you come in contact with that person that's there reading their Bible, trying to figure out, man, wouldn't that be great? I mean, every soul in here this afternoon, if we go out and there's somebody sitting on their porch reading their Bible, and then they're reading... The scriptures and you're like, hey, do you understand what you read? No, I, you know, I, I need somebody to tell me what to be like. Yes, I mean, you know, this is going to be easy. And we've had people. You know, I, I haven't had it that extreme, but I did. You know, not, uh, last year I talked to a young girl who's. I said, hey, we're just telling people how they can know for sure be saved. You know, would you like to hear about that? She said, yes. I was just talking, you know, to my mom about that. And, you know, I've been going to church, but it was a Catholic church, and I've been trying to figure out. She's, I mean, she I mean, she was completely sincere. I've been trying to figure this out. I mean, all of, I already knew this girl's going to get saved, and she did. She did get saved while she was looking. But you know, And that's great when we're out souling. We're looking for that, but not everybody's like that. Not everybody's like that Ethiopian eunuch. Some people, it's going to take some effort. And, you know, we're not going to do just go looking for that hard case so we can have those trophies to show off. We're not going to do like the Pharisees and compass sea and land and just make that one proselyte. But we're just making twofold more a child of hell. I'm not going to go spend all my time going and finding that one homo out there that's supposedly there that everybody wants to get so I can have that trophy homo that, hey, look, I got one saved that I can parade around and then go and de debunk the reprobate doctrine with it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to waste my time trying that. But I'll tell you this, if I had a close family member that was calling themselves one of those, I would. I'd be I'd be doing everything I could, hoping that they weren't there yet. Knowing that they, they might be severely damaged right now. 
But I would be doing everything I could to get that one to Jesus. Okay? The stranger out there, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but the one I care about, I, I'm going to. And every salvation is a miracle, but not everyone's like that Ethiopian eunuch. Some need, sometimes you've got to get creative. These guys got creative. Sometimes you've got to put in the work. These guys did the work. And we can't just let one little obstacle cause us to just move on. Oh, you know, I went and I witnessed to my mom, but, you know, she didn't believe me. I'm done. You know, I tried twice or three times, but, you know, a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. You know, she's a heretic. Now, you know, man, it's your mom. Okay? I'm, giving, I'm going to be given a lot more than one or two admonitions. Oh, you're going against the Bible. I don't, and I don't have time to explain everything in that verse. But I, I've seen people with this attitude, and it's like, you're going to give up that easy? You obviously have no love for these people. Okay, if we actually care, we're going to do whatever we've got to do. And so when, we, so when it comes to souling, we're not going to go spend all our time looking for those. We're not going to go looking for the one that needs to be born of four. We're not going to, but, you know, but if we find one and we want to make that effort, we can do that. You can do that if you want. But you know, when we live our life, we're all going to have people in our lives that spiritually are like this man. And we need to get them to Jesus. That, that person needs healing. How are they going to get it? And not even too just because we want them to get saved. I, obviously, you know, we don't want people just to get saved just so they can go to heaven. Even though that's one of the reasons I want people to get saved. I want people to get saved because I want them to live a better, happier, fuller life. I don't want people that I love being miserable. And so when some, I want somebody to get saved so they can get fixed in all those other areas. That's another reason I want to see people get saved. And so we all have those family members, those friends who need that miracle, and they might not want it, but we do. And so notice in verse 5 what it says. So right now, we see all the work that's being done, it's not being done by the man sick of the palsy, it's being done by his four friends. They're doing all the work. I don't see anywhere, the Bible does not tell us the words of this man. We don't see anything here except four friends we have one friend that they love and they care about and they are trying to get him to Jesus. Okay? And it says in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So notice that it wasn't when he saw his faith, the man who was sick of the palsy, when he saw their faith. He's like, he sees these guys putting in an effort in a great way. They didn't give up because the crowd was too big. They open up the roof. They're letting this guy down. Okay, that's going to get anybody's attention, isn't it? I mean, you know, obviously, Jesus is going to pay attention if we, do, if we take this drastic measure. And Jesus, he sees their faith. And so notice, when Jesus sees their faith, he decides right then, before this guy has even asked, he says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Did anybody see where the man asked for forgiveness? Does anybody? Now, let me ask you this. Why did he even need forgiveness? What did he do? Is that why he was sick of the palsy? Because he was a bad sinner? Well, based on some other miracles Jesus did, I don't think that was the case. But, you know, the truth is, we all are sinners. We've all done something. You know, we all need forgiveness. There's no doubt about that. But Jesus gives this man forgiveness before the man's even asked for forgiveness. And he does it because of their faith. Now, I believe this is important. I believe this is significant for a few reasons. Because, I, first, first off... Reasons people on the outside aren't seeing miracles is because those who aren't saved or those who are saved aren't asking for miracles. 
You know, we're just not seeing a lot of miracles today, not because people out there aren't looking for miracles, because we aren't looking for miracles. Okay, let me ask you, why would some teenager out there that has been abused by perverts, treated like trash their whole life, why in the world would they be looking for forgiveness? They're the victim, aren't they? They don't know Jesus. They've not been told the truth. Why would they be looking for forgiveness? Why would they be looking for a miracle in their life? Why would that lost person who has been run through the ringer in life look or ask God for a miracle? Why would they know that God could even do what they need to be done in their life? Why would a lost person know that? Why would that young person, that teenager out there, he's never been to church, he's never been the, had the gospel preached to him, why would they be looking for a miracle? We already see it. We already see the way the things are starting to do themselves. You know, there's a reason so many queers out there do the weird things they do to themselves, the abusive things that they do to themselves. You know why? Because they have been taught through life that they are trash by the way they've been treated. They have been abused. They have been made to feel worthless and good for nothing. They have been uh, forced many times into participating in wickedness that you and I can't even imagine. And they have been made to feel guilty because of it. Why would that person be looking for a miracle? What would make them know they could get a miracle through Jesus Christ? There's no way. You know what they need? They need someone out there who loves them, who will bring, basically pull them to Jesus. Because they're not going to do it on their own. And so we need to make sure we need to make sure we have the faith and that we ask for them. It, that's what these guys did. It was all for them. Jesus did this for them. He saw their faith and he forgave their sins. And there's people out there that are that are victims. They have been abused. They are damaged. And you know what? We've got to go to bat for them because they don't know what needs to be done. They have no ability to do what needs to be done. But we as Christians, we ought to have enough faith to know that Jesus can do something for them and then do whatever we've got to do to get them to Jesus. And maybe if Jesus sees our faith, he just might intervene and do a miracle. He very That's exactly what happened here. So notice in verse 5, because here's what we've got to do. So you say, well, how is this going to help him get a miracle? Okay, well, look, in, in verse 5, Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We need to make sure that those in need of a miracle know that their sins have been forgiven. Okay? Now again, what did this guy do? Why did he need forgiveness? Did he ask for forgiveness? But the truth is, you cannot be healed until you know that you have been forgiven. Okay? People out there that need that spiritual healing, 
they cannot get it until they know that their sins have been forgiven. And you say, why is that? Well, again, because victims of sexual abuse are almost always made to feel like they deserve what was done to them. That's why they often go and continue to abuse themselves. There's a reason that your typical lgbt looks a certain way. There's a reason that they, you know, basically, you know, it used to be a humiliating thing for a woman to have all her hair cut off. But they do it to themselves. Why are they, why are they doing that? They're expressing how they feel. Why do they pierce themselves up, tattoo themselves up, just do all the freakish things that they do to themselves? You know what? It's, it's self-abuse is what it is. You know why? Because they have been made to feel like trash for the things that they have participated in. And, and many times, said that, you know, sexual abuse people, you know, perverts, they do manipulate people. They always start out, they, you know, they groom them, they show them pictures, they get them talking about things, they, they, they talk them into stuff. And you know, we understand as a society that these young people, they are victims. Okay? When a teenager, you know, uh, when, a, when a person is underage and they end up participating in stuff, many times, understand, they were willing. But it, they were manipulated, weren't they? But was it still wrong what they did? Yes, it was. It was wrong for them to do the things that they did. Now, I don't believe they're reprobate because of it. They did. They got conned. They got manipulated. But those wrong things that they did, the abuser exploits that and makes them feel like everything is their fault. And that's why many times, too, abused victims won't go forward. They won't tell on these people because they feel so bad themselves. And many of these people are very self-loathing people. And if they don't get healing, it's only a matter of time, and they're the next abuser. They're the next one doing this stuff. And so the thing that we've got to do to help these people is we've got to let them realize their sins have been forgiven. That it, even though they have done wrong, there is forgiveness, there is cleansing, and when they, when they realize that they have been forgiven, now they have the power they have the ability to forgive others. And see, understand that bitterness is one of the worst things you can do to yourself physically. It is a horrible thing. And many people today, they are just not able to forgive, but most of that time, I believe it's because they don't realize they have been forgiven. It is liberating when you know that you have been forgiven, when you have experienced and got a taste of the riches of God's grace. Now, this is a, you know this is a tough thing to kind of articulate here, but another thing too, you know, for example, you know, why do women stay with guys that abuse them? You know, why would a woman continue living with a man who is, doesn't have a job, who will not provide, won't even marry her, but yet he has his way with her physically, he treats her like garbage? Why do women stay with guys like that? You know why? Because they've been made to think that it's somehow their fault, that they deserve it. That's exactly how they feel in many cases. They think they deserve what they're getting. And here's the reality. All of us, in some way, we deserve the misery that we're getting in this life. Y'all understand that? We've all contributed to the bad that is in this world. We've all, we've all done that. But what is also reality is Jesus took our punishment for us. 
We don't have to continue paying for our sins. He has forgiven us, and we do have the ability to move on and be happy. And what these people need to realize, they need to realize that God has forgiven them. He's washed their sins away, and they need to now move on is, is, and just and put that behind them. But the problem that we have in the world today is we're teaching people that you need to forgive yourself, you need to forgive others, but they're leaving Jesus Christ out of the picture. Okay, folks, there, you can't teach forgiveness without Jesus Christ. Okay, you can't just forgive yourself. No, I've sinned too much. I need, I need to have real forgiveness, and that can only come from the one who cleansed me of my sins, or who paid for my sins. And so you cannot be healed until you forgive, but you also cannot forgive until you know that you've been forgiven. Turn over to Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. See, this is, what we, this is why the gospel is just the most important thing we've got to get to these people. They've got to get a hold of this fact that whatever they've done in the past, it's been forgiven. That it's under the blood. This, this understanding, this realization is what gives us the ability to actually forgive in a way where we can get healing. Look what it says. It says in verse 36, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And when he went to the Pharisee's house, sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the, with the anointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this was that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with her with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but unto whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with them began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. So notice this woman here that obviously is a great sinner. Everybody knows she's a great sinner. But look at her reaction here. You know why she loved Jesus? Jesus flat out tells us. You know why she loved him so much? Because she had been forgiven so much. The forgiveness that she had received gave her the ability to love in a way that this Pharisee was not able to love. That when this woman realized what had been given to her, it gave her an ability to give something greater than this other man. And I say all this to say that we cannot forgive others until we realize we've been forgiven. It is the realization that we have been forgiven. It is the realization that my sins have been just put under the blood of Christ forgiven that right there is what shows me i can forgive other people because folks let me tell you some of the things that are being done to people said they're unforgivable 
as far as man is concerned. In fact, there are some things that society has the no, they have no right to forgive. And you know why many people can't get healing today? It's because there's no justice being done. You know, so for example, you know, I believe a sexual abuse victim has the right to forgive their abuser. But society doesn't. You know, and, and the thing is, if we would actually deal with these people, if we would actually deal with the sin, that would actually give them the opportunity to move on. But yet we see, you know, we go and let these people get off scot-free and then we tell these people, walk it off. Just deal with it. Yeah, they got away with it. Who cares? No, we should be dealing with these people severely so they actually can't. Because you know why sexual abuse victims just can't seem to let go of it? Because they don't want to see it continuing to happen to other people. <clears throat> and that's good. You know, but be, because of that, they constantly have to tell their story. They constantly have to relive it. And these people are rarely being brought to justice. But when they are brought to justice, that's when the person can actually move on. That's when the person, because the truth is, you know, if, for example, if I did something to some child here, okay, the family, this church, I mean, they, they need to deal with me. Okay? Now, the one that I hurt, they need healing. And they can't be healed without forgiveness. But at the same time, how can they forgive me when, one, no payment's been made, you know, I'm not confessed these things. No judgments come because they would actually be doing a disservice to the rest of society because I'm probably going to do it again. And so the truth is, if I was actually dealt with and dealt with harshly and severely, then that person could actually move on and get healing and forget about it. But we're just letting these people walk today. And then we, and then we wonder why these abuse victims just can't get over it. We're not, we're not, you know, so as a society, we have no authority. We have no right to forgive these people. We need to deal with them. And that would, I believe, free these people up to actually let these things go in their heart in a way where they can. And so this, this woman here, when she realizes she has this forgiveness, she's able to do these great things. And the truth is, when we get a glimpse of the riches of God's grace that's been poured in our life, it causes us to realize the riches of grace that we have to give to others. And so Ephesians 1, 7, I love this verse, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Okay, God has abounded towards all of us when it comes to the riches of his grace. It took a lot of riches to take away our sins. You all understand that? Some of us think it didn't take much. And that's your problem. Okay? Now, people who've done really bad things, they often realize, man, I was forgiven a lot. And they are, they're very forgiving people. Some of us Pharisees, though, we think I was no big deal. You know, but, you know, it was a big deal with all of us. And so a way I like to illustrate this, you know, imagine being so rich that someone could borrow your car, wreck it, and you wouldn't even need them to reimburse you for it. That's ah, just another car. You know, I forgive you. In fact, I'm so forgiving. I'm so rich. I'm going, to buy, I'm going to buy you a car so you won't have to worry about borrowing one from me anymore. I mean, that's... Okay, now, I can't do that for people. Okay? You know, if you come and you, you know, burn my house down or something like that, I, I've got to, you've got to make restitution somehow, all right? Okay, I, I can't afford... I just can't let that go. 
you know, I really hope you got insurance or something because you're going to have to take care of me because I can't, I can't just, you know, I don't have the financial ability to just, you know, make up for that. You know, and so the thing is, you know, it would be pretty cool to be so rich that you could literally just, you know what, don't worry about it. I'm fine. I can take care of that. That's, that's, that'd be a pretty big deal, wouldn't it? But the truth is, you know, and it would be impressive to other people if we could do that kind of thing. And you realize we actually do have that ability when it comes to forgiveness. In Luke 23:33 says, When they were coming to the place which is called Calvary, they were, there they crucified him. The male fact was one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people beholding, uh, the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Now, folks, I don't know. Right here, this one passage alone gives me the ability, proves to me I have the ability to literally forgive anything. Jesus forgave the people, nailing him to the cross, spitting on him, mocking him, reviling him. He forgave them. And you know what the Bible tells us in Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now here's the thing. If I'm supposed to forgive like Christ, you know, then that means uh, you know, for me to outdo Christ... Somebody would have to do worse to me than they did to Jesus. Now, that's never going to happen, is it? So you know what that means? That means I literally have the ability to forgive anything that's done to me. I have the ability to literally forgive anything. That's how rich I am. The riches of God's grace that he bestowed on me, I have that to bestow on others. And, folks, forgiveness... Being able to actually forgive and be healed, it is a miracle. And there are things that have been done to others. Okay, now, you know, thankfully, not much has been done to me. But there have been horrible things that have been done that, that you know, to me, earthly speaking, are unforgivable. You know, sexual abuse, things like I, I just, I can't even imagine that type of thing. But I'm here today to tell you that Jesus Christ paid for all sins. And that no matter what you have done, he has forgiven you. And therefore, you have the ability to forgive somebody who's done something that bad to you. Now, listen, I'm not going to go and force you to do that. Okay? I, think it's, I think it's messed up when Baptists, preachers want to get up and act like sexual abuse victims just need to forgive the pe- preacher that abused them. I think that is the most wicked, messed up attitude in the world. Oh, you know, he didn't do worse than you did to Jesus. You know what? Again, there are some things that society's job to deal with, and we don't have the right to forgive them. And we have no right to tell people to do that. But if that person, if it's revealed to them what Christ forgave them, they very well may be able to do that. And folks, that'll be a miracle. In fact, that would be impressive. In fact, if I saw somebody get over something like that. Like I think guys like Pastor Shiflett, who was sexually abused, who didn't let it turn him into a homo, who didn't let him 
just become bitter and a victim his whole life? Folks, I think that's an amazing thing. You know how many people have that exact same story, but their end story is they're now a homo themselves? But not him. Why is that? You know why? Because he was a man, for one, who was already saved, who already understood the forgiveness of God. And you know what? He's had the ability to move on. You say, well, did he forgive him? You know, I mean, I've heard him say bad things about those guys, the perverts and everything. You know, the one uh, went to jail and all that. Well, listen, he has a responsibility to warn society about scum like that. And obviously, those guys should go to jail. And, and it's a good thing that they did. But, folks, does anybody think that that man is going around just living defeated and bitter because of it? That's not, that's not that guy's attitude at all. In fact, uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen examples with, uh, with him personally where he's been treated really bad by fellow Christians, and yet he still has a great attitude. He still, he still has a great spirit. We saw the way other preachers attacked him for going after the pervert. But yet he hasn't, you know, just quit being a Baptist preacher now because of it. You know, he's still nice to me, even though, you know, my friends want to say he's unsaved. You know, and it's like, you know, the guy's pretty forgiving. In fact, I haven't seen him retaliating. That I haven't seen him exposing us. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, that type of thing. Where does that come from? You know where it comes from? It comes from a man who's realized how filthy rich he is when it comes in his ability to forgive. And the guy is walking around like a blinged out gangster, you know, just you know, throwing that money around, but he's doing it with forgiveness. And it's like, wow, that's impressive. Where did you get all that money? Hey, you've got it too, but you know what? You're just you're hoarding it. You're not doing anything with it. Folks, we have that ability to do that, and we could actually go through life happy, successful, where people would never know. Folks, nobody would ever know he was a victim of sexual abuse if he hadn't told everybody. But yet we see people out there walking around today advertising it by what they've done to themselves, how they've abused themselves. You know why? Those people, they haven't realized the forgiveness that they have been given. If they would get a hold of that, they could actually forgive these people that they have let destroy their lives. And folks, I've, I've talked to people out souling. They are bitter. They are angry because of things that have been done to them in church. They don't want to have anything to do with church. And it's just sad what it has done to them. Bitterness hurts you. When you're bitter at other people, you don't hurt them. You hurt you. And say, I I can't forgive these people. No, you can't. No, you can't by yourself. You don't have that kind of riches yourself. But if you go and you get a hold of the riches that Jesus Christ has... If you actually learn just how bad of a sinner you are, what you've been forgiven, the price that has been paid, what was done for you, all of a sudden you're going to figure out, I've got the ability to do something with this. And you know what? I'm going to forgive them because I can. I, I can do that. And I don't have to go you know, writing every wrong that's been done to me. I'm glad I don't have to go and just make a video for every bad wrong thing that's said about me. I don't have to do that. I can just forgive people. And you know what? I do it in a way where a lot of people think it's a waste. You know, kind of like the woman that used, you know, she poured that alabaster box on Jesus. What a waste of money that is. You know, you could have used it for the poor. 
Isn't that, isn't that what Judas said? And what do we see today? We see Christians, whenever another Christian wants to be forgiving to somebody, what a waste. You know, you have no right to do that. Really? Judas? Is, is, is that how you feel about it? You know what? It's not a waste. And yeah, it was an expensive box of ointment, but you have no idea how rich I am. And I got plenty of boxes of ointment to spare. You know, I'll just throw one in your face and I'm going to forgive your stupidity right now. <laughs> and I'm going to walk away from it. You know why? Because I can. And I'm not saying, you know, go around that gangster attitude, but, you know, that was the mental picture I got when I was thinking about it. Just, you know, the blinged out gangster throwing money around. That, that's, that's how rich we are when it comes to these things. And, but most of you just don't know it. You don't know that you have that kind of wealth at your disposal and you're sitting there and you're just hanging on to these things and you need to just let it go. You need to let these people that have done you wrong just forget it if they owe you. So what? I got plenty. I, 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 don't, I don't need it. You know what? Slate's wife clean you know, for nothing because I can. I can do that. And I believe if we, we get a hold of that, and folks, you can't just say it. you gotta, you got to get the meanness in your heart if it's going to get you anywhere. you really got to get a hold of this. And if you've got things that have been done to you that you need to forgive, and I guarantee you you do. We've all got it. The key to you getting it is not learning all the scriptures that these people violated. Okay? The key is learning all the things that you violated and realizing just how much you've been forgiven. And then all of a sudden you'll be like, you know what, man, I've got such a huge account that was set on taking. I'm just going to I'm going to settle other people's accounts. And when we do that, then, then you will be healed. And so I hope this will help you as an individual. I hope it will help everyone else. To let, you know what? Let's go and, and let's let's see some miracles. Let's put the effort in and let's help these people get healing. The key to it, the key to fixing these people, they've got to learn they've been forgiven. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray, dear God, you'll help everyone here to realize the riches that are at their disposal, dear God. I pray that they will use it. Lord, if we are forgiving to people, we're going to be told we're being wasteful. But Lord, help us not to listen to the Judases. Help us to just uh, uh, follow your example in the scriptures and help us to just uh, be forgiving people. And uh, pray that we can get healing because of it. In your name we pray.